Today, we're talking about the myth of motivation. Let's go. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Ella and today we're talking about the myth of motivation. Why is it the myth? I'll explain in just a minute. But easily, the number one question that I get asked all over the world is about motivation. It's worded differently. Sometimes it's, how do I get and stay motivated? I get motivated, but I have trouble sticking to it. Why do I get so excited about a plan and then I give it up after three weeks? I want to run, but I just can't get motivated to do so. I have the time now and I'm still not motivated to do X. How do you stay motivated? What's the secret to lasting motivation, etc.? You get the idea, right? Like you've asked one form of that question or another, sometime maybe even your own brain. I know I do. Today, I want to bust some of the myths about the way we think about motivation and then what motivation really is. The truth is, it shows up in a lot of different names. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes we say that we are guilty of self-sabotage. Sometimes we say that we're stuck. Sometimes we say that we're not motivated. Sometimes we say that we're lazy. Sometimes we say that we're so, so busy, we just can't get to whatever it is we want to get to, right? We might say something like, I'm ready to be financially responsible or cut back on my drinking or start eating like a normal person, whatever that means, but we can't seem to sustain it. So we call that by lots of different names, but at the end of the day, we all want to know like, what's the secret sauce? What's the thing that I need to do? So we go to podcasts or we go buy the thing, right? And we look to people who are on the other side of this issue, right? The people who look like they've conquered motivation or they know how to wake up every day with sustained and compelling motivation to drive them to be better, to do better and to do the thing. I mean, there's truth in that, right? Like we land on things that work for us and certainly listening to certain people can get you motivated, like no doubt, absolutely. But does it really answer the question for us personally, like every day, 365 days a year? How do I stay motivated? How do I always do the thing? How do I wake up fully charged? I mean, not so much, right? I think a huge part of the problem, you guys, is the way that we think about motivation. So we think that we can go get the thing, or as I like to say, that it will arrive on our doorstep like some sort of divine package. Like, here you go. Here's the motivation you've been waiting for for so long. Just open this, right? And again, like you see other people who are experts at what they do or who have their podcasts or are on Instagram and they look like they've cracked the code. And so, Motivation appears to us as a force that lands on us and then can drive our actions. Now, that can be true sometimes. I mean, if you get a diagnosis or a positive pregnancy test or that reunion coming up, you know, you can be inspired like a lightning bolt to change your actions and to stay motivated. But I don't think it lasts as long as we want it to. I don't think it sustains 365 days a year, right? And by the way, does anything, I mean, you know how I feel about this topic. I believe things come in seasons and there are seasons where we're highly motivated to 
to do things and seasons where we are not. And I think that's okay. But in general, let's zoom out and just learn how to think about motivation in a way that serves us better and might actually inspire us to get more done, to move toward better in whatever area of our lives we're trying to turn up the dial, right? I mean, one question that always comes up for me when I think about what motivation is or what I perceive it to be versus what it actually is, is I think, well, why isn't like my own happiness enough of a motivation? Meaning, why isn't my fulfillment or my confidence or my peace, why isn't that enough of a reward to keep me motivated, right? So if you're falling down on exercise, you might think, I feel great when I exercise. Like it feels good to treat my body well. Why isn't that enough of a motivation? Or I am better in my relationship when I think before I speak. So why isn't harmony enough of a motivation? Or I feel better about myself when I eat calmly and peacefully and not emotionally and not frenetically. So why isn't that enough of a motivation? I mean, I could go on and on, right? But think about that. Isn't it kind of weird that our own fulfillment, our own confidence, whatever adjective you're striving for, right? Our own peacefulness isn't enough of a motivation to sustain us. Like, what is that about? The truth is, that's the human condition. I mean, I won't deep dive into this because I think it might require like a psychology degree, but at the end of the day, I think it's useful to just recognize that it's not. Our own comfort, our own peace, whatever, again, plug in the adjective that is meaningful for you, that is not enough because we're motivated more by fear than by reward. That's a psychological fact. And fear can actually operate to override those rewards. So you know there's a reward if you stick to your exercise plan, right? Like if you know you feel better when you exercise three days a week, the reward of doing so can feel great, but the fears and the excuses pop up and they are bigger sometimes than that perceived reward. It's maddening. (laughs) So the way I like to start when I'm sort of doing self-analysis or trying to improve something is I remind myself that results always tell the truth. So in any area where your results don't align with your desires, you have to examine your fears, your excuses, your beliefs, and your actions because your results always tell the truth. Now that can be brutal, particularly when the truth isn't nice or the truth feels out of your control. So for example, when I was owning and operating three businesses and they were dominating my time, as you might suspect, I had to face the brutal truth that I had taken on more than I could handle. And the results were that my health was falling apart, my fitness was falling apart, my relationships were strained, and you know, my brain was trying to protect me and it was like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And in a way, like I get it. It's not your fault, Ella, that the overwhelm has necessary consequences, but it was my fault that I chose to take all of that on in the first place. But this isn't about shame. This is about observation and empowerment through understanding our choices. By the way, that helped me look at the circumstances that I needed to change in order to get a different result and I did, right? I've talked about it before, but you can look at this anywhere in your life. Look at your financial health. Your results always 
tell you the truth about something. And again, the truth is sometimes nice and it's sometimes unpleasant, but it is useful to examine. So in any area where you're looking to turn the dial up, you're looking to improve, first look at the results that you are getting. What truth are they telling you? In any area where your results are not in alignment with what you want, look at your fears that crop up, your excuses that crop up, the beliefs that you might be holding that crop up for you. Then look at the actions surrounding that. Can you think of something right now that you want to do better? You know you can do better? What result are you getting that is out of alignment with what you want? Okay, hold some space for that. And then ask yourself, what fears are cropping up for me? What excuses are cropping up for me? What beliefs do I really have in this area that are holding me back? What are the actions that happen as a result? Okay, quick side note. This is where my three Ps crop up all the time. These are not everybody's issue, but when I throw out these three Ps, it's a pretty big net and it captures a great many of us. Those are perfectionism, procrastination, and prioritization. Okay, these are my three Ps of excuses. Again, this isn't 100% comprehensive, but whenever we're looking at doing something new or doing something better or picking up a better habit or reinvigorating an area of our life that we've gotten lazy about, right? Or that we've gotten lethargic or apathetic about. The three P's of excuses are perfectionism, procrastination, and prioritization. So let's touch on those briefly. Perfectionism, that's the, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. It'll be ready when fill in the blank with lots of variables that you've not achieved yet, right? Or I want to do it really, really well. So I need to wait until XYZ. Or no, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's just not there yet. Perfectionism is procrastination. Perfectionism is when we tell ourselves a story of unachievable excellence in order to delay getting something done. Perfectionism holds us back from doing so much and we blanket it with the idea of excellence, with the idea of not wanting to do it till we can do it right. And then we never do it. I say perfectionism is procrastination because they're two sides of the same coin. So procrastination is finding every other thing to do first, right? I mean, raise your hand. This is me. (laughs) You should see me during tax season. It is so funny because I have to file for two businesses and for my personal income. So I have three sets of taxes to do, right? That's boring. Who wants to hear about that? But my point is I can easily get sucked into overwhelm there. So I procrastinate like a boss. I will do, my closet gets cleaned out. My closet gets color organized, right? Everything gets organized by color. <laughs> the house is cleaner than you've ever seen it. Spring cleaning, like you would not believe the things that I get done during tax season because I am trying not to do the taxes. It's absolutely fascinating. Procrastination happens for so many of us on the day-to-day level. There are so many different ways to deal with this that I should probably do a show on it. One of the ways that you can address this is by doing the hard stuff first. Like every day, do the big stuff first and then do all the littles. Like move one big rock first. Use your morning energy for that and then get to the smaller, more tactical, more trivial stuff. That's just one tool and tip. But what I'm trying to do today is to share with you that perfectionism and procrastination. They feel different in the body when you think about both of those concepts. They're two sides of the same coin. They are excuses that are keeping you from living big. They are habits that you have created to keep you from moving forward. 
prioritization is the third P and it's one that I hear of so, so much. It's like, I'm so busy. This is overwhelm can hide under prioritization. Busyness can hide under prioritization. Just being, you know, incredibly nobly busy with work and other commitments, kids, you name it. They're all entirely noble and true causes that fall under prioritization. The truth is that results always tell the truth. So if you have trouble with prioritization, then you are doing all the things to keep you busy and probably not the things to keep you moving toward your bigger goal. I suffer from this on the regular. I've already confessed to you I can stay super, super busy without doing the things that I know are moving me more toward my purpose, right? Those things feel scary. Those things feel intimidating or I feel vulnerable or scared. And then I use perfectionism or procrastination or prioritization as really great things to keep me from doing the thing. Why is that? It's because of fear. Remember, fear is more motivating than reward. So we have all these fears like and and we won't change our course until the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of my current experience. Right. It's like when it gets so uncomfortable to not do the thing, that's when I will change. That's when we can override our fear patterns or or we can develop an awareness so that we can recognize when we're doing this stuff, when we're doing the three Ps, when we're distracting ourselves from our higher purpose. Like we can call ourselves out and we can actually manage our thoughts, you guys. And this is where real motivation can occur. So I want to walk you through this. So we've already acknowledged, let's just take a moment. We've already acknowledged that like our own happiness is not enough of a reward to move toward our higher purpose every day. Like we actually have to have some tools. We have to build some muscle. We have to practice motivating ourselves. We have to practice our mindset. These are, these are muscles that start off really small. And every day that we practice using those muscles, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's never not a practice. We're never going to be on the other side of this. Anyone who tells you that you are is trying to sell you something. (laughs) Building these muscles of mindset, of moving toward your goals, of practicing consistency, of setting aside perfectionism, of not procrastinating, and of managing our priorities to move us toward our bigger goals, those are all muscles we have to practice, stretch and flex every day. This was a light bulb that went off for me when I realized that true motivation and really moving toward my goal, whether it's in fitness, whether it's in finances, whether it's in business, it's it's in all of these things. It's in relationships. It's in every pie on that life balance wheel, which by the way, I keep referring to. And if you're new, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. So I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. But it's just every major area in our life and identifying the ones that we're, we're sitting back on and wanting to really turn up the dial in. Well, when I realized that I had control over that and I didn't need to wait for divine motivation to land on me or hit me like a lightning bolt, that was a game changer for me. I want to share it with you. I want you to understand that when we start with our thoughts, we can then manage our feelings. Then we can drive the actions that get us the results that we want. So instead of waiting for things to land on me and to motivate me, or instead of consuming and consuming and consuming podcasts and book and audiobook and articles and blogs, instead of consuming, I'm creating. 
Okay, there's nothing wrong with consuming, but when we consume as a distraction to creating, that is a problem. So here are my five steps toward creating motivation, sustaining motivation. The first thing that I do is I choose the outcome that I want. So let's use money as an example. Let's say you wanna get out of debt or you simply want to build wealth. So I choose the outcome that I want. I want X dollars in savings. I want to build a net worth of X dollars. I choose the outcome that I want. Maybe the outcome is I want to have peace around money. I want to stop feeling tortured by it or I want to stop hiding from the issue altogether. Is that you? <laughs> Let's manage the thoughts that come up for us. That's step number two, manage the thoughts. When you have thoughts that come up like I can't, I never, I always, you need to recognize them as the self limiting beliefs that crop up for you. You need to call them out. You need to change the I can't, I never, I always to I can and I will, right? And we use different language. I can create wealth. I will create a net worth of. I will pay down my debt. I will get out of debt. I will start saving. This language matters. So the first thing that I do is I choose the outcome that I want and then I manage the thoughts that crop up for me and the language that I use. You have to identify the feelings that come up for you. This is different than the thoughts. The thoughts that come up are the narrative. They're the tape that play in your head. The feelings are the vibrations in your body that come up. When you think about your financial management, and again, this could be exercise, this could be relationships, this could be work, this could be career, this could be anything that you are trying to work on. I just picked money because a lot of people have that issue and can relate to it. Plug in whatever works for you, but identify the feelings that come up. A lot of people have so much fear around money, maybe because of the way that they were raised or maybe because they feel ignorant or they feel entirely overwhelmed, like they don't even know where to start. Anyway, the feelings, my point here is the feelings that come up for you in your body. I identify the feelings that come up for me. If I'm trying to get back on track with exercise and I fell off the wagon, you know, and I'm trying to get find my motivation. I'm going to identify the outcome that I want. I'm going to manage my thoughts, which is I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. I feel overwhelmed. Those are thoughts that I can manage. The feelings that come up for me are shame. Like, oh, I can't believe I fell off the wagon. I can't believe I have to start all over again. And these feelings are nonsense, right? And I have the power to change them. But the first thing that I have to do is identify them. The fourth thing that we do is we act we take action. Now here's the trick. We take action from where we want to be. I hope you got this from episode 134 with Jim Fortin. When we act from where we want to be, we create a different reality for ourselves. What do I mean? Let's switch to exercise, the exercise example now. If you are feeling like a slothopotamus, right? And that is the attitude and you're like, oh, I need to exercise. Oh, I have to exercise. Oh, I can't. You know, if I just exercised, I wouldn't feel so, ugh, right? <laughs> if you get on a treadmill with that kind of attitude, I mean, that just sounds painful. That just sounds awful. If you can change your mindset, if you think about the outcome that you want, you manage the thoughts and the feelings that come up for you and you think, no, I feel sexy when I exercise regularly. I feel good when I move my body. I'm gonna go walk for an hour because it makes me feel good in my body. Or you can go a step further and be like, I love the way I feel when I have muscles. I love the way I feel when I feel good putting on my clothes. Like channel that you and then get out there. 
that's an entirely different mindset to carry into your action. So if you are trying to create wealth for yourself, create financial abundance for yourself, how do you think you're going to manage a week if you go out into the world going, oh, I never have any money. I never have enough. I always do this. I self-sabotage myself. Oh, I'll never get out of debt. Imagine going out into your week, your daily life like that versus I can do this. I can create financial stability for myself. Other people have done it with far bigger problems than I have. I can do this. This is easy. This is simple. Small choices make a difference every day. I will live a life of financial security and I will make choices that reflect that. Okay, does that feel different? Does that sound different to you? So I act, I take action from where I want to be. I act as if, right? Like, how would I solve this if I were good at this? That's a great question to ask yourself. How would I solve this? What would I do if I were good at this? If I were at the outcome that I want? Okay, finally, number five, we create evidence that support our desired reality by taking action from where we wanna be. So step five is look for the evidence that supports your desired reality. We are professionals at scanning our environment for evidence that supports our beliefs. Wow, that's a show in and of itself, isn't it? But we are. The human condition, the human psychological profile is such that we are experts at scanning our environment for evidence that supports what we already believe. So I have a trick for you. Look for evidence that supports your desired reality. Look for evidence that validates your desired reality. When you do something in line with your goals, celebrate that. Pat yourself on the back. When you don't have that third glass of wine because your desired outcome is to reduce your consumption, pat yourself on the back. Wake up the next morning and tell yourself, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did not have that third glass. Look at me going and rocking my day. When you exercise and those endorphins are going, acknowledge it. Tell yourself that you just kicked ass and you feel great about it. When you start that savings account and you start making deposits or you start tracking your expenses, call it out, acknowledge it. Start scanning your environment for proof of your desired outcomes and your ability to achieve them. I sucked at this. I just kept rolling and rolling and rolling and I was an expert at looking for evidence that I was failing and an expert in looking for evidence that I was falling short. But when I challenged myself to look for evidence that I could do what I wanted to do, what I sought to do, it's not about like being particularly self-congratulatory. It's just about acknowledging it. There's a difference. I mean, some people love being self-congratulatory and it's really motivating to them. And that is really important to know. A lot of people are motivated by positive affirmations from themselves and from other people. If that's you, use it. If you're a little bit harder on yourself and you suffer from that and the idea of patting yourself on the back feels super uncomfortable to you, then think of it this way. You don't need to pat yourself on the back. You need to acknowledge and call it out. Like, let's say, you were a boss and you're turning to the person that works for you and you're acknowledging what they did. You don't have to high five them and give them a hug, but you do need to call it out and acknowledge that it happened. Can you not do that for yourself? When we skip this step, when we don't acknowledge the proof that we are capable, we skip over the evidence, the proof that we're able to do the thing that we need to do. This is not about self-praise. This is about creating momentum. Nothing motivates me more than witnessing my own progress. Nothing motivates me more, more sustainably, more longer term, and more real 
than witnessing my own progress. Isn't that what motivation really is? You might have the thing, the lightning, that gets you to the gym, that gets you to quit smoking. Like you might have the thing that gets you to take the action, but what will sustain it is witnessing your own ability to do it and witnessing your progress. Your clothes start fitting better. Your bank account is swelling. You feel better because you're not smoking anymore. Your health is changed because you're not drinking as much. Your relationship has changed because you started to pay the kind of attention to it that it needed. Nothing is more motivating than witnessing our own progress. So the myth of motivation is that it can land on you, right? But real motivation is belief supported by action that gives you a result. So it's not motivation, my friends. It's momentum. Mindset trick. I don't use the word motivation. I use the word momentum because it reminds me that if I just take that little step, that begets another step, which begets another step. Momentum begets momentum. You take the smallest step, you take the largest step, just take the step, take the action, then scan the environment for validation that you are moving toward your goal. Not motivation, my friends, momentum. What are you trying to move toward? Pick an area of your life, pick just one. What momentum can you create today? What procrastination can you set aside? What prioritization needs to happen? What perfectionism can you throw out the window in order to take that first step? It's not motivation, it's momentum. So get out there. You've got this. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.